0: Man up, cowboy up. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but hey, sounds good. (laughs) Put ice on it. Deal with it. Put on your big boy pants. I've got something different for you today. Here are some scriptures. Because one thing that I that I've been noticing is like I love all the football. I love football. I love hockey. I love all of the movies about football. I love the movies about hockey. I like the gladiator things. I like, you know, because guys are just guys. I like guys. They can come and punch each other in the head and shake hands and be friends. So I was like, how does that happen? You mess up my eyeshadow and it is on. So we're going to have some trouble for a long time. But I love, guys are warriors. God has made you guys to be warriors. And I just want to say how proud I am of you guys. I'm proud that you take a stand. I'm proud that you get up and you put your clothes on. That's always a good thing when you go out of the house. I don't care what anybody says. Put your clothes on. And that you go to work. That when it's hard and it's tough and life just seems to be beating you up, you put ice on it, you put on your big boy pants, you cowboy up, you man up, and you go out the door. And you do it anyway. So I am proud of you guys. You know, there's that movie out, it's called Courageous. And I watched it we watched it as a family recently, and it's so good. And it's guys who are going through tough times and really not taking their place because you do have a place. And I encourage you, if you aren't taking your place in your family, take your place in your family. If you're not taking your place at work, take your place at work. If you're not taking your place in the church or Out in the world, take your place. God has a place for you. And if you don't know what it is, I encourage you, get with the Lord and find out what that is. But this is where I want to encourage you. This isn't about man up or get over to put ice on it. This is only be strong and be very courageous. But here's how. That doesn't mean man up or put ice on it. In Ephesians 6.10, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Does that say yours? That doesn't even say put ice on it. That says get with the Lord and take his strength on you. Philippians 4.13 says this. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me the strength. Psalm 119.28 says, and this is when you're tired in your mind. It says when your soul is tired. That's your mind. That's when you don't have the will to go on. And that's when your emotions are raw and tired, but it says when you're in that spot that you should pray and that you can be, it says, uh, David was asking the Lord, he said, strengthen, strengthen me according to your word. O God. And I, Isaiah 40, 31, it says those whose hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. So if you need strength. Make your hope in the Lord. Second Corinthians twelve nine and 10, it says God is saying to you, and I want you to hear this one, my grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for everything you're going through. If you're trying to get past something, you can get past it because God's grace is sufficient. It's not because you've got the willpower, but God's grace is more than enough for you. And it also says, in uh, it says, this is why, for my power is made perfect. It's made complete in your weakness. And then Paul said, you know what? So as a matter of fact, I boast about my weakness. I boast in it. And he says, because when I'm weak, I delight in it. And here's why. Because when I am weak, I am strong. These mighty men of God that we look at in the Bible and we say, Oh, these are real men. You guys are real men. You guys are going to be like Paul, and I declare over you, you're going to be like David, and you're going to stand up and you're going to say, you know what, I'm weak, and I boast in that. I'm glad I'm weak, because in my weakness, God is strong. Can we do something just really quickly? If you're a dad, a grandfather, or a man, stand up. Any of you men, young men, dads are men too, and grandfathers are men too, (laughs) I want to pray over you, and I want to declare something over you. So I want you to lift your hands. Just do it, because I'm up here, and I'll just stay up here all day if you don't do it. Lord, I thank you for these bold men of God. Lord, I speak to those things that are not as though they were. And, Lord, I know when they go out, they become tired. And I know that everything in the world faces them. And I know that they have to be strong at work and they, you never let them see a sweat. And they have to be strong at home and be the, the man of God. But I declare over all these men in the name of Jesus that they, they will stand up and be bold. God, that they will be courageous not in their own will and their own might and in their own strength. But I declare and speak the word over them, God, that they are covered by the blood of the Lamb. God, that they have wisdom beyond their experience, beyond their training, beyond their years, because it's wisdom from heaven. It is God's very own wisdom. And as I cry out for it, Lord, you're not going to make them feel stupid for asking. You're going to say, I'm glad you asked. And you're going to give them that wisdom. God, I just thank you that you rise up that Holy Spirit within them to be strong like a lion in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I strengthen their hands and I lift up their hands. And Lord, I know you're saying to these men, God is saying, look up. Don't look at your circumstances. Look up to me. I'm the author and finisher of your faith. I've started this thing in you, and I'm going to complete it. It's not going to be on your shoulders. It's not going to be on your your head. And I thank you for these young men, Lord God, that they will rise up, and they will not go through the crazy things that some of, of all of us have gone through, God, but that they will remain pure and steadfast and focused on what you have them to do. And God, I just speak blessing in every area of these men's lives. And Lord, I speak to the women, including me, and say, we are going to be the biggest cheerleaders they have ever seen. And we are going to be there to lift up their hands. And when we see things that aren't exactly right, we're not going to berate them, but we're going to say, you know what, I see greatness in you. And we're going to speak the word over you. And we are going to say, we're going to speak to those things that are not as though they already were. And we're going to see this generation and the next generation, and the next generation of men rise up and take their place in Jesus' name. We seal it in the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Man. You've got your Bibles this morning. Lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says it can do. Today, (laughs) I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? This Word, this Bible, the truth in here can change your life because it's alive. And if we'll apply God's truths to our lives, it works every single time. So, we're not just saying that as some religious function every week. We're saying it because we mean it. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk this week. I was going to start a series today on the Holy Spirit called The God I Never Knew. It's going to be a three week series. But on Thursday, the Lord put the brakes on that and uh, gave me a, a different message. So, I had been working literally a week and a half on the Holy Spirit message for this Sunday. And I really felt the Holy Spirit said, nope, we're going in a different direction. So, what you're getting today is that different direction. So, I know that there are people out here today who need to hear this. So I want, to, want you to turn your spiritual ears on and get ready to go. Amen? All right, you know, we live in a society, a society that primarily tells us that if one is good, then two is better. If one is good, two is better. Um, let's repeat that. One is good, two is? One is good, two is? Do you believe that? I mean, most of us, we've kind of grown up hearing that if one is good, then two is better. So if one car is good, then two cars are. If $1 is good, then $2 are. Somebody said, "Woo!" <laughs> if one boat is good, two boats are. Amen. Can I get a witness right there? If one purse is good, then two purses are not enough. There you go. I knew somebody was going to say that. <laughs> I just had that feeling. I'll stay away from shoes, Christy. I'm going to give you a break today. If if one kid is good, then two kids are... Why did you hesitate? You guys, some of you, went, oh, damn, just right then, you did. If one wife is good, then two wives are bad. That's bad. Bad. We... we We don't really want to go there. Wow. (laughs) There was a Bible student in Bible school, and and he had a question for the professor. He said, why did Solomon have so many wives? I mean, he had hundreds of wives. And and the professor said he was trying to work it out where one day he thought he would go home, and one of them would be in a good mood. Uh, That is so not good. Can you believe that? That was so not nice. I should find that young man and discipline him. (laughs) But if you go all the way back to the very beginning, if you take your Bibles, you go all the way back to Genesis, in the first couple of pages where Adam and Eve are, God's created the heaven and earth, he's created the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God says to them, hey, everything in this garden you can have. He puts them in charge, everything you can have. But then he said, there's one thing I don't want you to do. And the one thing I don't want you to do is eat from the this tree. Don't eat from this tree. You can do anything else. Everything else is, is, is on the table, but do not eat from this tree. So what happens? Satan comes along in the form of a servant. Serpent? Servant. <laughs> in the form of a serpent, and he says to them, What? Eat from the tree. Because here's the deal. And I'm I'm summarizing this a little bit. He says, look, obviously the reason God doesn't want you to eat from the tree is because it's something you really would want. And as a matter of fact, if you eat from this tree, you're going to be smart like God, and you're going to have, and so the whole idea is there, if you really sum that up, what it says is what you have is not enough. What you have is not enough. You need to go after something else. You need to go after what you're not supposed to go after. You need to go after more. See, one is not enough, you know, two is better. And so we live in a society that very much works that way. Satan says there must be something greater out that tree. If you eat of it, you'll be like God. In other words, you need something you don't have to be happy. You need something you don't have to be happy. And our society, guys, tells us, you know what? You need a different car. If you're going to be happy, you need a different car. Some of you, every Sunday, every Wednesday, when you pull out of here, you look over at Mark Martin and you go, if I had that Camaro, my life would be fulfilled don't you? No, somebody said I need a Corvette. But you know, you look, but, but you drive by and you go, ooh, look at that red truck. I mean, we are wired that way where, you know, you, you want something else or you buy something and the next day your friend has something and it's a different color and now you want that. I mean, we're just kind of geared that way. Have you noticed that? We always want more. We always want more. Listen, here's the point of today's sermon and look on your notes. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. I'm gonna give you an example here. Um, It's Father's Day and I was trying to think of a Father's Day thing where I did something with my dad. When I was five years old, my dad and mom had moved down to Huntsville, Texas. My dad was working on his master's working in the prison system there and and I just remember you know it's funny you can't remember a lot of things in your life but I I remember being 5 years old and watching my dad chew red man tobacco. Anybody know what red man tobacco is? Come on. Thank you fellas for your honesty. If any of the ladies raise their hand I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> but but I remember at 5 I remember this at 5 years old I remember my dad having that big bag big bag of red man with the indian on the side. You know, and, and I thought, I want to be like dad. And obviously, if I want to be like dad, then I have to chew tobacco. Makes sense to me. So when he wasn't looking, yeah, baby. <laughs> I went and grabbed that bag of tobacco, and I, <laughs> it's etched in my brain. I walked into the restroom, and, and I remember that if one is good, then what? No, the whole bag is better, Okay. And I literally, at five years old, this is true, at five years old, I took the whole bag and stuffed it in my mouth. (laughs) I have never touched Red Man Tobacco (laughs) since that day. And that is the gospel truth. I don't know that I have ever been that sick again. (laughs) But I was so sick. I can't even hardly smell the stuff today. You know, I mean, it's just like not good. But it's exactly what we're talking about in today's, hey, dad does this. I want to be like dad. I want more because more is better. So <laughs> but just like in real life, you throw it up and it doesn't taste real good. And that's exactly what happened to me. So what does the Bible have to say about this? Actually, the Bible has a lot to say about this in Ecclesiastes 4 6 and this is our key verse today it says this better is one handful right out in parentheses parentheses abundance better is one handful or abundance with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind better is one handful or abundance with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and And Chasing after the wind. I want to give you an illustration today that I thought would really kind of make this point better than I can even explain it. A while back, one of our church members, as many of you know, some may not, we're from Texas, and one of our church members bought me this shirt that says, Go Hogs, Beat Texas. If Kennedy was here, she would be trying to burn this shirt, just so you know. But Clella did it. I didn't want to point her out, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. It was Clella. But anyway, I've covered this today, and what I've covered today is this beautiful bowl of, guess what? Twinkies! And, and as you guys know, I like to use Twinkies to represent sin. If you work for the Twinkie company, I'm sorry, okay? I like Twinkies. Apparently, they never go bad. But, but I just want to use this illustration today to explain to you what I'm talking about, okay? So if one handful's good, two is better, the Bible tells us one handful... One handful of abundance is good with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. But here was my question, why? I mean, why? What's wrong with two handfuls? What does having two handfuls prevent me from being able to do? Well, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. If I grab one handful right here, here's the deal. If I have one handful, this is full. There's four of them right here. If I have one handful, I still have a free hand, don't I? And see, with this free hand, if one of my friends falls down, I can reach down and pick them up. With this free hand, if somebody's in trouble and they have a need, maybe they need one of my Twinkies, I can give them one. Right? You know, if if I have one hand free, I can give somebody a hug pretty well. But what happens if I have two hands full? Watch this. If I have two hands full, you can't open your Twinkies. (laughs) Father, we just pray, Lord, right now. (laughs) Y'all go home. That's it. We're done here. (laughs) That's great. I know I can count on you guys. But here's what happened. That's a good point. You can't open them, can you? But here's the other thing you can't do. You can't lean down and help somebody up if your hand's full. I'm too busy. Good luck, you know, because I can't lean down because if I lean down, I might drop some of my Twinkies, right? And I can't really, you know, give you a hug because that's just awkward. See, I can't even hardly do that right there. That That's the truth. I can't really, I can't function very well to help other people if my hands are full. Can't really do that, can you? And so the Bible tells us that it's better to have one handful. God's not against us having a handful. He just doesn't want us to have so much that we're not any good. Can't help each other for that way. See, he gives us the power. He he tells us, well, look, I I can't explain it better than the Scripture can, so I'm going to do that. If you've got your notes there, look at your notes. This is what it says. Luke 12, verse 15 says this. It says, then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Wow. Jesus says, when Jesus says, watch out, what does that mean? If God tells you to be careful, what does he mean? God doesn't just stay, say stuff. He says, watch out. And notice, and I want to be very clear here. I want to be very clear. God's not opposed to you having an abundance. He's not. He said, hey, abundance is good. If, if we're living as he wants us to, he is going to bless our life with abundance. But it's not just for the sake of having. It's for the sake of not only blessing us, but blessing other people. And Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, your worth, fellas, does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. It doesn't. That's not what your life is all about. Luke 12, 21, Jesus is telling a story, and I'm going to actually read most of the section here. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start reading here with verse 15. Then Jesus said, beware, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Tweety Bird is going to weed the translation today. (laughs) I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Beware, Jesus says, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And then he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. So he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store everything and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get it all? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, when he talks about that. I want you to understand today, we were reading the other day and we were talking about some of the scripture and what God tells us that we need to really spend our time on, what we really need to fill our hands with. I want you to take a second. I've got three blanks for you on your notes. Just real quickly, I want you to write down and I want you to define what you're, to you what matters most to you. What matters most to you? Just write it down real quick. Family, security, whatever it is, what matters most to you? Just write that down real quick. Now, here's the question I have for you. Do your actions in your life prove that the things that you've defined as important really are? Do your actions prove that the things that you've written down as really important really are important? Your actions. And I want to tell you, this is one of those messages when I put it together. I'll Trust me. It was, it's, this is for me as much today as it, for the, it is for the rest of you guys. Because see, here, here's what I mean. Many of us probably put family as the most important thing in our lives. And here's the deal. If you put family as the most important thing in your life, how much quality time are you giving your family? How much are you investing in the things that you say are really important? When is the last time you called your parent or grandparent? When is the last time you sat down with your kids and spent time with them? If you say that things are really important in your life, do your actions match up to that? And if they don't, then we need to really look at our lives because here's the truth. What you just defined is what matters to you is probably true. But does your life match up with that? If you put God, that your relationship with God is really important with you, how much time are you spending with God? Are you spending time in the Word outside of church? Are you you praying? Are Are you doing what matters most? See, these are hard questions that we need to ask, but this is what the core of our life is really about, guys. This is really important. Matter of fact, this is so important to God that he had me change up my whole schedule to deliver this today. We need to hear this. So I'm gonna define for you today what one handful living is. I'm gonna help you out which is helping me out too. Let me let's define what one handful living is. And here's number 1 on your notes. Here it is. You ready? Let go of what doesn't matter. Let go of what doesn't matter. Hebrews 12:1, which was our scripture for the last series that we were in, says this, "Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us you know last series we were talking about being on the track and having these people come out on the track and run a lap with us we're using this same scripture right here that shows us how to run and the way it says to run well is to throw off the things that hinder you and the sin that so easily entangles and here's the point sometimes the things that hinder us are not bad things Do you notice very clearly, and this really stuck out to me when I was reading the Scripture, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that entangles us. Did you know that there are good things in your life that keep you from becoming the best? There are good things in your life that keep you from becoming the best that you can be. There is nothing inherently wrong with many of the activities that we like to do. There's nothing wrong with going deer hunting, guys. Amen. Nothing wrong with fishing. Ladies, there's nothing wrong with shopping. I mean, those things are not sin. But sometimes our hobbies hinder us from becoming the best that we can be. I'll give you an example. I had a friend um, that they own some property up in Arkansas. He's down in Texas. And he was talking to a guy. He was up at his deer lease in Arkansas, and he was talking to a guy. And he said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, oh, not much. He said, I'm about to quit my job. He said, why are you going to quit your job? He said, well, I do it every year. Deer season comes around, and I quit my job for two or three months. And then after deer season's over with, I go back to work. And my buddy's like, say, what again? That's somebody whose hobbies are out of line, right? There are not that many deer in the state, okay? I mean, but this guy literally would quit his job. Now, imagine what that did to his family. He just said, hey, y'all, I'm quitting the job, and uh, I'm going to go hunting for a few months, and then I'll be back. If I did that, I would come home and guess who wouldn't be there? (laughs) Right? That's somebody whose hobbies are out of line. So there's nothing wrong with deer hunting, but this guy had his priorities all out of whack. Now that's an extreme true example, but what about in our own lives? What are there, are there some things in your own life that aren't sin, but you're so consumed by them that they hinder you running your race? Think about it for a minute. Are some of your priorities out of line? Or some of your habits out of line, or some of your hobbies out of line. We need to let go of what doesn't matter. So, how do we do that? That sounds great, Pastor. How do I let go of things that don't matter? Well, I've got three things for you, and I'm going to help you out here. Here's number one cut back. Cut back. Cut back on TV. Cut back on spending. Tighten up a little bit. We are so busy in our lives. How many of you have kids 16 or younger? Come on. How busy are you? <laughs> Do you wish you could clone yourself? Seriously? I mean, you are so busy. I mean, a typical day for you is get up in the morning, get the kids ready for school. Run the kids camp. Kids left their money at home, so i got to run back to the house. Now i got to run back to school. Trumpet's not here, so i got to run over here. Blah, blah, blah. You know, in the end of the day, you're worn out, and nobody's paying you for this, you know? I mean, our lives are so busy, and there's so many activities that we're involved in. And I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong with so, being in so many activities. But guess what, guys? We need balance. We need balance. Sometimes it's okay to say no. Sometimes it's okay to say no. That's what we do in our own family. Our kids, are, trust me, are as busy as anybody on the planet. But occasionally you say, you know what, guys? We're all going to just stay home tonight, and we're going to hang out together as a family. We're gonna watch a movie or we're gonna play games or we're gonna go out to dinner or something. But we we have to learn to cut back. We have to learn to say no to things. You know, guys, it's okay to come home for a little while and relax, but if you come home from work and you're spending six hours in front of the TV, something's wrong. Say, Pastor, why are you saying that to me? Because I love you. Cause here's the deal. If we do that, we're gonna turn around one day and we're gonna go, Who are these tall people in my house? And they're your kids. And they grew up and left, and you never got to spend time with them. You may be able to tell the statistics of the St. Louis Cardinals, but you don't know what's going on in your kid's math class. That's a loss, guys. We've got to learn to do that. We've got to learn to cut back and get our priorities right. Here's the second blank. We need to learn to throw things out. How many pack rats do I have in here? Come on, be honest. (laughs) Proud pack rats, they got their hands up. We have a therapy session for y'all. <laughs> I had a couple of grandparents that were pack rats. My, da- my granddad on my mom's side literally literally had a train car. He had bought a train car, and it was sitting out on their farm, and this train car was packed with stuff from who knows. I mean, he had everything in the world. There's no telling what all was in that train car. Just, you know, Stuff. But if you ask him to throw anything away, no, I might need that one day. Come on, how many of you? Let me see your hands. Right there. See them again. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. We need those margarine bowls. There might be a margarine bowl famine. That's a little close to home, isn't it? <laughs> if you've ever eaten salad at a margarine bowl, you might be a redneck. <laughs> okay? But I want to tell you something. There's a spiritual principle involved with cleaning house. There's a spiritual principle involved with cleaning house. And I want to encourage you. It's kind of interesting that I'm doing this message because this Saturday, there's a garage sale. And I'm going to stretch some of you right now. Some of you are going to go, oh, that pastor, he's just out of line. Listen to me. I want you to go home this week, and I want you to spend some time going through your closets. And if you've got some clothes in there you hadn't worn for two years, get rid of them. If you've got some shoes in there that you haven't worn in a long time, if you've got your high school prom dress and you're 50 years old, (laughs) seriously, let's clean house. There's a spiritual principle that's involved with getting rid of some of that stuff. You know, we're doing that in our own lives. We could do a garage sale out here and fund the church for a year just out of our house. We've got to learn to clean ourselves out, guys. We need to learn to let go of some things because when we do that, we're freeing ourselves up. We're actually prisoners to our stuff. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have built a shed to store your stuff? Now y'all won't admit it. Y'all were all brave a minute ago. (laughs) There are many of you that do. You say, no, I didn't build one, but I do have a rental (laughs) where I store all my stuff. Yeah, that was the rest of you. <laughs> I remember when Trish and I first got married, we had a Jeep. And you could literally put everything we owned in that Jeep and a trailer. Right? Now, it takes like semi-trucks and stuff. To, and I don't even know what most of it is anymore. That's wrong. You know what? It really is. It's wrong. And we need to get to the place in our lives where we're willing to get rid of that stuff and it will free us. We will not be a prisoner to it. Just think of the money you'll save in storage every month. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Here's the other thing. Or give it away. You don't have to throw it away. Give it away. Here's the last point. Turn off. Turn off. Turn off what? Turn off the TV. Turn off the TV. Turn off some of these things. You know, I talked to somebody the other day and I was visiting with them, and, and they, they didn't sound good. And I, and I said, what's wrong? And we were talking about some of the things that were going on in the world. I want to tell you, if you go right now and you spend the afternoon watching CNN, Fox, or Take Your Pick, how happy are you going to be at the end of that? Huh? Are you going to be just pleasant to be around? Why? It's depressing. It's depressing. It's depressing. And you can end up being depressed because you're looking at what's going on in the world all the time instead of spending time with your family or building relationships or spending time with God or whatever it is. But if you're, and, and I'm talking to some of you, some of you are like, I wish you'd get off my toes. Then move your feet. <laughs> We're so consumed with, with all these other things and, 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 and we need to get off that. I give you a better thing that we do as a church. We don't just look at the problems, we do something about them. Instead of lamenting what's going on in our community, step up and take a part and be part of the solution. Don't just be an observer. God doesn't call us to be observers, He calls us to be players. Turn off the TV. I'm not saying all the time. There's nothing wrong with watching the Cowboys, God loves them. <laughs> I saw that look, Barbie. I did. I saw that right there. And hey, I want you to know I'm becoming a Razorback fan. You know, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, it can happen. I'm a convert. <laughs> Nix that, Marty. That no let it get a text. If that's on Facebook, I'll be in trouble. But I am. But here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with that, but we have to learn to balance things. Turn it off. Turn it off. Here's number two. This is important. In our lives, we have to learn to fight for what does matter. Trisha didn't know my notes. Trisha didn't know my notes, but she's exactly right. We have to fight for what does matter. Nehemiah 4.14 says this. Nehemiah is talking to the men who are rebuilding the wall, and here's what he says to them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I love that. Remember that God is great and awesome. And then he follows it up with this. And fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. He doesn't call us to be meek, he calls us to be men and stand up and fight for what's right. You know, guys, I want to tell you something. We set the temperature. We set the temperature. And for too long, we've let society push us around. And it's time for us to be those men, to be courageous and stand up and fight. Because if we don't fight nobody is there's too many women walking around trying to wear armor that doesn't belong to them because the man's not doing anything and fellas it's time for us to put the armor on and fight for our families the only way this country is going to be turned around it's not going to be because women take charge it's going to be because men step up and take their place and we have to do that and we have to put the armor on. And we have to be the men that God's called us to be. We have to be the lions. And he tells us that. Fight for it. Remember that God is awesome. I love that. You've got to remember that God's your strength. God is awesome. And then he says, and now fight. God's on your side. Fight for what matters. Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls chasing with toil chasing after the wind, man, B.J.
2: Okay, Jesus, we gotta talk. I don't know. Pastor Chris keeps talking about how to be a better Christian and this life lived in abundance, and I'm having this huge problem. Ange, you can talk to me but I'm scared to tell you this one.
3: Ange, come on. You know me. Come on.
2: Okay, Jesus. Okay. I don't trust you. What?
3: Ange, how can you not trust me?
2: Like I really want to, but I just don't.
3: Ange, it's okay. I can teach you to trust me what yeah watch me I can teach you to trust me
2: you should write a book about that Jesus
3: I, I kind of have one but okay look look we're gonna do an exercise you ready
2: I'm I'm ready okay
3: I want you to come here I want you to turn around
2: is this gonna hurt me no
3: I don't think it's okay
2: okay I am turned around Jesus okay are you ready I'm ready
3: this is practice. Are you ready? Yeah. I want you to say, when I say, do you trust me? I want you to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Do you trust me?
2: Short-term memory, Jesus. I just told you I didn't trust oh, Ange, you. This is
3: practice. It's okay. Are you ready? Turn around. Okay. Ange, do you trust me?
2: Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Okay. Fall back. Fall back?
3: Yeah, fall back.
2: Jesus, what do you mean fall back? Look how far back you are. Fall back. There's no. Ange, you can do
3: this. Come on.
2: Jesus, there is no way that I can stand here, you can stand there, and you want me to fall back and just trust that you're going to catch me? Yeah.
3: You know what you're supposed to do, right? What are you supposed to do?
2: Well, I'm supposed to trust you and fall back.
3: Okay, that's all you need to know. Okay. I know my part, you know your part. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Angela, do you trust me?
2: Yes, Jesus. I trust you.
3: Fall back. Do, 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 do. Oh no, no. Ange,
2: what was that? I All was falling fall- back like you said, Jesus. You just
3: walked backwards and kind of just fell into me. That's, no, no. But-
2: I wanted to make sure that you were going to catch me, so I was just helping you know along. know my
3: part. You know your part. It's okay.
2: Jesus, how am I supposed to know that you're gonna catch me?
3: That's the deal. It's the exercise, are you ready? I'm ready. We're gonna try this again. Okay. You're here. Angela, do you trust me?
2: I trust you, Jesus. Fall back. <laughs>
3: <I> <laughs> what
2: Jesus, you caught Means? Jesus, I should totally start a trust ministry no, no, now. No, no, wait, no. Okay. This is incredible. What
3: this means? Yeah. You are ready for level two? What do you mean level two? Level two. We're going to do this again.
2: Okay. okay.
3: Okay? Okay. Hold on, okay. Whoa, what are Jesus. Hey,
2: hold on. I thought you said level two, so I was just trusting you. No, oh, you
3: got to wait for my signal. angel hold on.
2: Jesus, I thought that's weird. Like, no. level two. Wait for your wait for my you signal. signal. The
3: Jesus signal. Okay? Okay, yes. so what do you want me to do? Okay. Ready? Level two. Okay. Turn around and face me.
2: Oh, this will be easy. No, I not Whoa! You've got to
3: quit doing that, Anch! Wait!
2: Hold on!
3: It's okay. It's I thought I was being like
2: super hey. You ready? Yeah.
3: Angela. Do you trust me?
2: Yes, I trust you. <laughs> Fall back. <laughs> Jesus, there is nobody back there to catch me.
3: Yep. What
2: are you going to do, like pull a Superman and just swoop on in and catch me? And like a blow-up mattress is just going to out of the ground. Inch. you know your
3: part, I know
2: mine. You trust me, right? Yeah. Fall back. Jesus, you don't even understand. You have to tell me what you're going to do before I'm just going to fall. And what if I hit the ground? Inch
3: that's part of the lesson in trusting me. You've just got to trust that what I'm going to do is right. And sometimes I know that you don't agree with what I'm going to do, but you've got to go with it. I can. Inch. we can do this. You've got to put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. We can do this.
2: I won't.
1: How many of us are there? How many of us are right there? Come on. Yeah. As long as I can see it, God, you know, I I, I see the Scripture and my heart jumps. And now it's trust time. You know, your Word says, this is what your Word says. Am I going to trust you even when I don't understand? Do I have to see it? This is the real deal. Let's pray. Father, we see your word and we understand what it says and we know that you have called us to come and you said, come to me all who are thirsty. Come to me all who are weary. Come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Jesus, you said if we'll come that waters will flow out of us that you'll fix our lives. But Lord, we look and we see and it doesn't make sense. That's the whole mystery of this deal. Is that we have to trust you. And Father, we've heard today that we need to lay aside some things that are maybe hindering us. Maybe some of the things in our life aren't sin, but there are things that are hindering us from moving forward. Father, right now, I know for me. And if you're out there, you can join me because I need to do this for me. Lord, right now I just open myself up and say, Lord, just do whatever you need to do in my life. Father, whatever areas in my life you need to clean up right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do your work. I know that you love me. I know I don't deserve your love. I know I've made some major mistakes. I know sometimes, God, I I break your heart. And I say things and I do things. Father, today for me, I'm just gonna give you everything. I'm gonna trust in what I can't see. You said if I'd come to you, that you would take all my burdens. Lord, you said if, if I would give you my life, you would free me. So Lord, today, not because of me, but because of what you said, I'm surrendering me. And if that's you today, whatever's going on in your life, and maybe you're holding on and and you're you you can't you don't feel like you can trust him, you know what? You're gonna have to jump in today. It's gonna have to fall back. It's gonna have to fall back. Let go. If you're here today, and that's you, you're holding on, you're holding on and it's not working. You need to let go, whatever the issue is, whatever it is, you need to let go. Slip your hand up, say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask the prayer partners to come forward this morning. Whatever it is, if you need to get saved, if you wanna rededicate your life, if you're dealing with the challenge that's too big for you, whatever it is, today, you're going to surrender that to the Lord. Say, Pastor, I'm giving it to the Lord today. Just come. The altars are open. We're just going to take a few minutes. It's the most important thing we do. Just come. The altars are open.
4: heart in the stream of life, let the pain and the sorrow let it be be washed washed away in the ways of His mercy as deep eyes have Can we see? We sing, come.
1: take a moment and uh, grab your neighbor's hand. Father, I just thank you today that we come to you as a church family. Lord, and we're here to carry each other's burdens, Lord. And I just thank you for that. Lord, your word tells us that it's good that we're together because when one falls, there's another one there to pick them up. So Father, we pray right now for our neighbor on our right. We just pray that you would give them strength. And touch them, Lord. We, we thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you'd help them, whatever their challenge is, whatever they're going through, that you would be with them. Lord, we pray for our neighbor on our left. We encourage them. Lord, pray blessings on their life, that you would guide them. And Father, we thank you today for all the fathers. I know there are some fathers here today that feel like they've failed. They feel like they failed. And Lord, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word to encourage them today that it's not over. And if that's you, if you're that dad today that feels like he's failed, then you need to go home and you need to start right where you are and pray that God will help you be the man of God that he's called you to be today. Maybe you need to make that phone call to that estranged child. today. You can't change yesterday, but you can change today. Father, I speak your power and your blessing over this church family. Lord, I pray that you would bless us, that we would be a true light into this community and in our families. Lord, make us the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be part of a church family? feel God's presence today? Amen. He loves you. He loves you. We have one more special thing. We still have people praying at the altars, so I want to be aware of that. But guys, I toiled yesterday making cupcakes for y'all. And I lied right then. Lord, forgive me. Patricia made, uh, I don't know, 100, 150 cupcakes, and uh, they're out in the lobby and uh so guys get the cupcakes now if you're not a dad or an uncle or you're under the age of 18 i have twinkies (laughs) so you can come grab the twinkies here's what i want you to do i want you to high five five guys tell them happy father's day y'all get out of here and have a good day